The Chicago Blackhawks largely outplay the Anaheim Ducks, but still wind up losing 3-2 in overtime. I'll talk about the effects from this tank loss and some of the latest whispers on Patrick Kane and Max Domi right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And real quick, for those of you who are either longtime listeners of the show or a first-time listener, please, either way, make sure to go and show some support first by following the podcast can also go and leave me a review if you want to as well. And you're going to want to be sure to do that because for those of you who still may be unaware at this point, I'll be giving away two free Blackhawks tickets to a game sometime in the second half of the regular season. And all you have to do in order to qualify first, you have to either leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. You're also going to want to be sure to drop the name of your YouTube channel in that review because you also have to be subscribed to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. If I see your review and I I find out you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, I'm going to go ahead and choose another winner. You have to do both in order to qualify for those two free tickets. So make sure to go and do that. Also, with every episode, having a video uploaded to YouTube every day, it only makes sense to go and subscribe to the channel. So please go and help me out by doing that. While you're there, smash the like button down below on today's video. And last but certainly not least, go and ring the bell, turn on those push notifications, and that way you can get notified when the episode gets uploaded to YouTube each and every day. All right, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you all again for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. Thanks again for making the show your very first listen here each and every day. Last night, the Chicago Blackhawks returned from the NHL All-Star break for a bottom feeder matchup against the Anaheim Ducks at the United Center. Two teams currently right in the thick of the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. And the Hawks last night, you know, played a, a really strong game, I thought. Certainly outplayed the Ducks throughout the entirety of this one, but still wind up losing 3-2 to two in overtime, which... I know the players uh, aren't going to be very happy with themselves for letting a game like that get away and for not coming out with two points despite giving that type of effort. I know the players are going to be upset about it, but all of us Blackhawks fans here uh, and all you listening out there, I know we're just fine with the Blackhawks coming up on the wrong side of the outcome here. Um, In just a moment, I'll actually talk about how the overtime loss last night from the Blackhawks has affected them is we'll take an updated look at the NHL standings, more particularly the Connor Bedard standings at the bottom there. Uh, but yeah, I thought the Blackhawks played a really strong game. It was a strong return for them in their first game back from the All-Star break. The first period was kind of meh, if I'm being honest. It was just a period between two teams who aren't very good. Kind of a feeling out process. Uh, some back and forth chances for each side, pretty evenly matched. but. Then in the second period, the Blackhawks really started to take over and uh, they, you know, found the back of the net a couple of times, took the lead twice, but unfortunately 
gave it back right away each time. A couple of bad goals given up by Peter Morazic. Um, certainly a night to forget for Mr. Morazic. A pair of really sloppy goals is all that Anaheim was able to squeak by him in regulation. Um, and then even in the third period, when neither team found the back of the net, the Blackhawks were the ones dominating puck possession and getting the majority of the scoring chances and the better scoring chances, might I add. Uh, they were the ones who were really <clears throat> pushing the play and uh, being the aggressor, if you will. And yeah, it was just frustrating that they couldn't find the back of the net. Stop me if you've heard this story before this season, Blackhawks fans. The offensive struggles continue for this team in terms of finding the back of the net. That's really all they couldn't do last night. I, I thought it was a really sound performance. Uh, we heard Coach Luke Richardson in his post-game presser talk about how uh, one thing the team was kind of keying in on was the Ducks not having the most mobile defensemen. So they thought they'd have the edge and the advantage in the speed department. And I thought, you know, they generated a lot of chances in transition, um, dumped the puck in well, got in hard on the forecheck, forced turnovers with the Ducks defensemen not being able to move around at the best. I thought the game plan that Luke Richardson kind of had drawn up and what he had kind of given his team in terms of, you know, some little keys and such. I thought the Blackhawks followed that game plan to a T. They executed it pretty well. They just couldn't get the finished product. And that's kind of been the story for this offense the entire season, really. So yeah, the Blackhawks outpossessed the Ducks. They outshoot the Ducks. They had more scoring chances. They had the better scoring chances, more high danger chances. All of the analytics were really in the favor of the Blackhawks except the finished product, and that's uh, just kind of hockey sometimes. But again, for all of us Blackhawks fans who are kind of fully invested in the tankathon that's going on at this point, not the worst thing in the world for the Blackhawks to come in, uh, come out on the wrong side of the wrong uh, of the final outcome, sorry. But however, in this loss, not only did the game plan go well and the Blackhawks all-in-all team effort, I, I thought there were some really strong individual performances to take away as well. Jason Dickinson is the one I have to talk about first, just continuing to make the most of his opportunity on that top line with Patrick Kane. Jason Dickinson is the top line center looks so wrong, or maybe it's just about right for a team that's really trying to tank. Um, but he's been fantastic since getting the bump up there with Patrick Kane. Dickinson finds the back of the net for the third consecutive game, picking up right where he left off prior to the All-Star break. Patrick Kane also kept it rolling with an assist. He extended his point streak to four games as well. That top line was pretty dynamite all night long. Um, every time they were out there on the ice, it seems like they were cycling in the offensive zone, giving themselves chances. Tyler Johnson, shout out to him for having a strong effort in his return to the lineup as well. Not only did he pick up an assist in his first game back, but he also had a couple of really good scoring opportunities. One, I want to say it was late in the second period, came uh, right in tight, but wasn't able to get it past Anthony Stolarz. But yeah, the top line was dynamite all night long for the Blackhawks. Jason Dickinson, another really strong showing to kind of keep himself as uh, keep himself in that top line center role. I also thought Seth Jones had another really strong game, found the net for his fifth goal of the season. And not only do I love seeing Seth continue to be aggressive with the puck on his stick and shoot the puck and 
have that more assertive mentality whenever he's in the offensive zone. It, it's been much needed, not only this season, but really all of last year too. It just felt like he was always trying to set up his teammates rather than doing it himself. And he's a proven goal scorer. Go and look at what, look at the numbers he was putting up in his prime with Columbus and early on in his career with the Nashville Predators. Seth Jones is a defenseman that knows how to find the back of the net. Just hadn't seen that aggressiveness often enough uh, so far in his Blackhawks tenure. That's been a noticeable change in the last couple of weeks. And one thing that also really stands out to me about Seth's game, particularly here as of late, is how involved he's been in transition. We've always known that he's one of the few defensemen, maybe even the only defenseman, that the Blackhawks have that's capable of carrying the puck up the ice and kind of getting something going the other direction, jumping up on the play. He's really been more frequently involved in those types of situations in the past handful of games. And I don't think it's any surprise to see his offensive numbers take a tick since kind of playing that way. I love to see Seth recognize the play ahead of him give his team an odd man rush or, or be the trailer, or even on that play with Jake, Jason Dickinson where he scored a goal. That was a two-on-one. Seth Jones was the one up in that rush with Jason Dickinson. So I, I love to see this aggressive mentality that Seth Jones has on the ice, not only when the puck is on his stick, but also when his team has potentially something going the other direction. One of his best attributes is his ability to kind of jump in on a rush and you know, make something, make nothing, turn nothing into something because of his ability to kind of add an offensive weapon uh, from the back end. So I've really liked what I've seen from Seth Jones here as of late. I've talked about it a ton on the show. I also don't think it's a surprise that he's playing his best hockey now that he's paired alongside Jake McCabe, who's been the sturdiest defensive defenseman the Blackhawks have had undoubtedly all season long. So another really good outing last night, I thought, from both of those two. And I also wanted to give a shout out to the third defensive pairing of Ian Mitchell and Caleb Jones, particularly for Ian Mitchell. I thought Caleb played a fine game too, but Mitchell, I thought he just had some noticeable buzz when he was skating around the ice last night. It just seems like uh, he was really letting it loose and he's kind of aware, I think, of his situation that, you know, hey. I just got to go turn on the gas, give it everything I got. If the Blackhawks don't recognize it, maybe someone else will, and they'll give me an opportunity. But I thought Ian Mitchell, yeah, had some extra pep in his step, made some really nice, subtle plays. Um, I thought defensively along the boards, he looked as strong as he has all season long. He also, I mentioned that little play that Tyler Johnson had in tight at the end of the second period. That play was generated by a great hustle out of Ian Mitchell to dive across and poke that puck to the front of the net with his stick. So good stuff from Ian Mitchell, good stuff from Caleb Jones, good stuff from a lot of the Blackhawks last night. Uh, But again, they just wind up losing the game. That's the nature of the beast that is the NHL. All right, coming up in just a minute here, Blackhawks fans, I will talk about how this loss against the Ducks last night has affected the Blackhawks in terms of the Connor Bedard standings. I'll touch on that here in just a moment. But first, I need to talk to you all about FanDuel. The NFL playoffs have reached the Super Bowl. We're just a couple of days away. And us over here at Lockdown, we're really stoked about our new sports betting partner because they're the number one sports book in America right now, and it's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, then that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports both super fun and super easy. For all you new customers, join now to get started with $150 in free bets, win or lose. 
When you place your first $5 bet, all you got to do is go and sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has all your favorite bets, from the money line to the point spread to player props. You can, can even combine all your bets for a chance at a greater payout with the same game parlay feature, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, what are you waiting for? The Super Bowl is just days away. Go and place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets guaranteed at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Just want to say real quick, thanks again to everyone out there for making the show your first listen each and every day. Now, for your second listen, make sure to go and check out Lockdown NHL Prospects, your daily podcast covering the next generation of hockey superstars leading up to the 2023 NHL draft. And in case you've been sleeping under a rock, Blackhawks fans, we might have three, four, possibly even more first round picks in the 2023 NHL draft. This is a very relevant podcast for all of you Blackhawks fans. So make sure to go and check out Lockdown NHL Prospects available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Segment two, let's talk uh, about how this loss last night from the Blackhawks against the Anaheim Ducks has kind of affected them in the tank standings across the NHL at the moment. With Anaheim, let me make sure I pull up my standings on my phone. Want to have all this correct. But with Anaheim netting two points last night, even though they didn't deserve it, Works out kind of well in our favor. They are now up to 40 points in 52 games this season, which is tied for the Arizona Coyotes for the third fewest points in the NHL. But they do have one more game played than Arizona at this point. So Coyotes uh, are, excuse me, the Ducks are the ones who technically have the advantage. They have the worst points percentage at the moment. Uh, With the Blackhawks, having lost last night, falling to 15-29-5 on the season through 49 games. They have 35 points now on the season, five points fewer than both the Anaheim Ducks and the Arizona Coyotes. That's good, but they've also played three games less than Anaheim, two games less than Arizona, and that that's something you do want to keep in mind. Obviously, none of these teams are going to be on – at the same point in their seasons, everyone has different schedules. So the points can be a little bit misleading. You definitely want to keep track of points percentage and the Blackhawks uh, are a little bit closer than you may think in terms of points percentage uh, with Arizona and Anaheim, even though they're five points back. So make sure to keep an eye on that points percentage as we get down to the home stretch of the regular season here in the next couple of months. The Blackhawks though are sitting pretty would have been uh, a little bit better to have lost that game in regulation. But with 35 points, they're still uh, second to last in the NHL in both points percentage and points. The only team lower than them right now, the only team sitting prettier, I guess I could say, is the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are 15-32-4 with 34 points through 51 games. So one point fewer than the Blackhawks have, and they've also played two more games. So. Columbus is in a really good spot right now in terms of the Connor Bedard standings. Um, but this is obviously going to be changing a lot throughout, you know, the next 30, 35 games, whatever it may be until the season comes to a close. But this upcoming month of February, Blackhawks fans, 
guess I shouldn't say this upcoming month. We're already eight days into February, but uh, this month of February is going to be really crucial for the Tankathon because not only did the Blackhawks just play the Anaheim Ducks, who are right there, and not only do they have a meeting with the Arizona Coyotes on Friday night, but they also play both of these teams another time here later on in February. And it's a back-to-back for the Blackhawks. A crazy way to wrap up the month of February. I believe those are the final two games of this month. But yeah, this is going to be a really, really crucial month for uh, how the Tankathon standings are going to shake out for the Chicago Blackhawks. So buckle up, Hawks fans. This ride is about to get crazy. And every game is going to start to get more and more meaningful. All right, moving on now. Let's talk about something that I am going to be talking about a ton here on this show in the next couple of months. And that's the latest that we are hearing on Patrick Kane's status ahead of the March 3rd trade deadline. And with the all-star break now fully being in the rearview mirror, it sounds pretty certain like uh, Patrick Kane's agent, Pat Brisson, Jonathan Taves agent as well. I might add, um, it feels pretty certain that the conversation with the front office has happened at this point. Um, We still don't have much of an update from that, though, Uh, and it's becoming abundantly clear. I don't think we're going to have, you know, we might hear some some more things, but I don't think we're going to have anything concrete into those final days before the deadline because it just feels like these guys still have no idea what is going to happen. And I'm sure Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, they probably have one way that they're leaning at this point, but. Nothing is set in stone. We still haven't heard for certain that they are or that they're not going to be waiving their no movement clauses here in the next couple of weeks. Um, so while while we have heard in the past couple of days that Patrick Kane is trying to savor every last moment that he has at the United Center right now, not knowing what his future entails, and also that, you know, Paperson has, you know, mentioned to him that some teams are interested and he's found that intriguing. But at the end of the day, he hasn't given us anything concrete. And I think we're just going to continue to get these no update type of updates. That's been the latest updates on Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves the last couple of months. No update. So uh, again, I'm sure that they're feeling certain ways and there's probably some way that they're feeling right now. And maybe, maybe their minds are made up, but it's it's becoming abundantly clear that we're not going to get anything set in stone, at least from what it feels like right now until, you know, a week or maybe even the final days until the deadline approaches. So I'm going to, you know, keep doing my job of reporting this news to you. Like I said, is it interesting that Patrick Kane has said that he's going to be savoring every moment at the UC? Absolutely. But at the same time, why wouldn't he? Oh, e- even if he doesn't get traded at the deadline, what's going to happen at the end of the season? Probably not going to be coming back. Who knows? He should be savoring every one of these last moments. What else do you kind of expect him to say? So um, it it just feels more and more likely that they're they're not going to give us anything concrete. They might waive their no movement clauses. It feels more likely that that's going to happen as time passes. But I feel like these guys still don't have their minds made up, neither of them. So we can hear reports on what Patrick Kane is feeling or. Um, you know, how other teams are intriguing, but until we get anything set in stone, 
nothing's really going to change. We're going to hear a ton of these no update type of updates here in the next couple of months, folks. I'll be sure to provide you all with them. Uh, I'll be right here talking about it. I'll probably sound like a broken record while doing it, but you know that's my job. I got to provide you with all the latest updates. And the latest we got on Patrick Kane is that he thinks some other teams are intriguing. Ooh, what, what an update here. Uh, I wish I could give you something more exciting, but again, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, feels like they still don't even know what they are going to do at this point. I, I've asked several different people around the Blackhawks what they think they're going to do. And Basically, everyone tells me they think Kane and Taves still don't ha have their, their minds made up themselves. So here's another no update type of update out of the Patrick Kane situation. Uh, the latest is that he's savoring every last moment and thinks other teams are intriguing. If you want to read into that and think that that means he's leaving, that's up to you. Do I think that's the most likely situation at this point? Yes, I've thought that the entire time. That Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane ultimately are winners. They've been... Uh, deprived of that opportunity for far too long. And at this point in their career, the clock is ticking. I wouldn't blame them for wanting to go elsewhere and try to win another Stanley Cup. That's how I've always felt this is going to play out. We haven't had any type of update throughout the way. It's the way I'm still feeling. And it kind of sounds like that's the way everyone is expecting Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane to go here in the next couple of weeks. But I'm not going to believe it until we hear from those two themselves. All right, there is the latest on what we've heard on the Patrick Kane trade front. Coming up in just a moment, I'll talk about what we've heard from Max Domi on this matter. But first, I got to talk to you all about Built Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories? Well, then you got to try Built Bar. And I know we just got through the holidays, and my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me and you want a little, want to eat a little bit healthier but don't want to compromise the taste, then you got to make sure to try Built because with Built, healthy is actually tasty. Now, what makes Built Bars so good, you ask? Well, first, they're covered in 100% real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, cinnamon marshmallow, coconut almond, and more. Plus, they only have 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein in each bar. And now, you don't need to wait to order online. You can now go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club, walk to the pharmacy section, and you can find yourself a box of Built Bars. Go and pick up a four-pack of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. You can thank me later. All right, before I wrap up the show for today, folks, Let's talk about what Max Domi had to say to the media today when asked about kind of how things are going for him in particular ahead of this trade deadline. And I guess the most noteworthy thing that uh, Domi said to the media was that he's trying to find a long-term home at some point here because, you know, he wants to make sure it's a good fit, but he's, it sounds like he's kind of sick of these short-term contracts. And for a guy that's bounced around a ton so far in his NHL career, I mean, Montreal, Arizona, Columbus, Carolina, Max Domi's been all over the place. And most recently, he signed some short-term deals in free agency. He just really hasn't had a sense of security so far in his career. And I can't really blame him for saying, you know, hey, I, I want some sort of stability, but I want to make sure it's a good fit as well. And I think that's the intriguing part here for Max Domi saying, that he hopes it's a good fit. And what we know about Domi so far in his tenure here in Chicago is 
he's greatly enjoyed it. Even though the Blackhawks have been one of the worst teams in the entire NHL all year long, Max Domi has really enjoyed himself. He's been all smiles. Seems like he's built a really strong and solid relationship with Patrick Kane. Clearly likes playing under Luke Richardson. It seems like, you know, he would enjoy calling Chicago a home. That's what we've, you know, that that's kind of the feeling that we've got since Max Domi has been brought in here. Wow, this guy's kind of been uh, a breath of fresh air. The problem is he's been playing so darn good that you think other teams are likely going to be interested to him at the deadline. I mean, he's currently tied for the Blackhawks team lead in goals. He leads the team in points. Uh, a complete resurgence in the faceoff dot. He's one of the best in the entire NHL in that department this season. He's a sandpaper type of guy. You can slot him up and down the lineup, provides you with a little bit of everything. That certainly uh, sounds intriguing to me, at least. If I were another NHL general manager trying to add to my forward group prior to making a postseason run, Max Domi would be a guy I think a lot of GMs would be wanting to have and add a $3 million cap hit expiring contract, you know, it's not too hefty of a price to pay for Mags Domi. And that that's kind of the trouble with the situation here, right? Is Domi's been playing so good. You feel like another team I've said a second round pick is probably what the ceiling the Blackhawks could get for Max Domi. I think that's what they were really hoping they were going to be able to get when they acquired him at the deadline. And if a team offers Kyle Davidson that, or even something along those lines, maybe like a, a decently high level prospect instead of a second round pick. I think Kyle Davidson has to pull the trigger on that. Now, here's the next side of the conversation. Could the Blackhawks, and I've had this conversation with Charlie Romeliotis from NBC Sports Chicago on my show before, could the Blackhawks trade Max Domi to a contender, say, hey, here's your chance to go and win another Stanley Cup or, you know, we don't want to trade you, Max. We really like what you've done. It's just an offer we have to accept. Not a bad situation for you either. Why don't you go out and try to win a Stanley Cup? And then in the offseason, we're probably going to have a good amount of money to spend. Why don't we kick you a pretty lofty contract offer? You can sign that and stay here in Chicago throughout the rebuild. And that sounds like a, a really good situation, not only for the Blackhawks, but for a guy like Max Domi, who's been very vocal about how much he's enjoyed enjoyed his time here in Chicago. My one worry about this whole thing is obviously there's so much up in the air at this point with the deadline. Max Domi, where he would be traded to, if the Blackhawks are even going to get a second round pick for him. I assume they are, but nothing's clear cut and set in stone. Um, there's a lot that goes into it, obviously. And that's what Max Domi has kind of said and what he told Charlie when he actually brought that idea up to him. Uh, in the locker room here today. I get why Max was a little bit hesitant about providing that answer because there's so much that goes, you know, so much up in the air at this point and so much is going to be changing in the next couple of months prior to him becoming an unrestricted free agent. And that's where kind of my issue with this idea lies. While Max Domi loves what he has right now in Chicago, does he really, look, he, he's only been here for what, 49 games? Does he really want to go through this for another? two to three years. I mean, maybe if that means stability and not having to move and kind of being able to stay in the same spot and not have to be up and on the go and worrying about which team he's going to be playing for next, where he's going to be moving himself to, yada, yada, yada. Well, that still could be in the Blackhawks and in Domi's favor, giving him that, that type of deal. I do wonder if he getting traded to another team 
playing some competitive hockey, if that makes him wonder, uh, I don't know if I really do want to stay in Chicago here for the next few years. Now, the Blackhawks could probably give him the loftiest contract offer, but it's just something to consider. And I thought that was really the truth of the matter when Domi kind of told Charlie, that's kind of so far away, I'm not even thinking about it. I believe that. I I believe that Max Domi really enjoys Chicago, but also doesn't know what's going to happen in the next couple of months. I still think it feels like a really good fit that one way or another, Max Domi, I think even if he does get traded, there's still a really good chance that he comes back to the Blackhawks. Um, But I think it is just kind of, it was worth noting on this podcast to go into the mindset of a player who's approaching the trade deadline. So many different things can happen through the next couple of months. I know stuff may seem set in stone at this point, but it's a crazy game. It's a crazy world. Nothing is as it seems. And I think that's just kind of a good message for all Blackhawks fans to keep in mind as the trade deadline approaches. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up Wednesday, February 8th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Make sure if you're not already to go and follow the show. It's 100% for free wherever you may be getting your podcast. And to go and subscribe to Locked On Blackhawks on YouTube. And you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each and every day. Once again, thank you all for tuning into today's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until tomorrow's episode, it's going to do it here for the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.